0: Well, good morning. I hope you've had a good, a uh, good revival, as Brother Chris said. I uh, appreciated everything that the preacher said, and I think that we needed it. And I thought he, I thought he brought thoughts to us that we needed, and I thought that he preached to the church uh, the first few nights. And has already been said. Said that's what revivals are: is to revive the church, stir up your pure minds. Peter said. So I thank you for being here this morning, and the Lord's given us good weather. And I hope He'll keep on. Uh, appreciate everybody that's here. Uh, let's be uh, sorry that Millie got sick, and let's pray for her and Sister Tina. Also remember me and my wife this week, she's going to surgery, and uh, I hope it won't be too severe, but anyway, uh, God's in control, and he's in charge. If uh, Brother Chris would have read a little further in that scripture this morning, and I'm not doing his devotional, he'd have found out for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, for you to pray for the president and the kings. And you say, man, does God want us to pray for uh, the wickedness in Washington? Yep. I mean, when the Lord was here, he had a similar circumstance in the government that was in control of them. So, Paul said, Pray for them. The next verse I like, I really like it. It says, Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? The knowledge of the truth is that lost people are really, really, really lost. They're not kind of lost, they're not sort of lost. They're totally lost in the sight of God. Now, that does not mean that God don't love you and God don't love me. He does love you. He does love me. He loves us so much, he sent his son to die for us on Calvary. And if you're here and lost, the Lord died for you. You can take it personally. He died for you. He died for me. And so he wants you to be saved. But he does not want you to be saved so badly that he will overlook your sins without atonement. See, sins have to be paid for or forgiven. See, you let God forgive you your sins or you got to pay for them in eternity in hell. One preacher said, he said the reason people go to hell is they go to hell because of their sins has got to be paid for in the sight of God. And you go to hell and you just pay on it and pay on it and pay on it. And you never get your sin debt paid. Now when you, when you come to God to get saved, and I, and I hope you will, the first thing God's going to deal with you about is your sin. You have sin, and you gotta, and, and, and you got to deal with it. And you deal with it by putting it all in a bag and confessing it and say, Lord, I'm guilty, and really mean it. Don't hold back nothing. Don't hold back anything. I really mean it. So that so if you do that repent tell God you're sorry and mean it right. and take Jesus Christ as your savior he will give you everlasting life and you will know it you'll know it okay now to our lesson John Chapter 14, I think I've been here three weeks, and maybe we'll get through with it today, Lord willing. I've got a little sinus drip this morning, I hope it don't offend you, and uh, pray for me that I can continue, and I always, when I teach, I always want to say words that's according to the Bible and do it for the glory of God. And I hope that the the message of the lessons and the preaching will cause men and women to see their need for a Savior. And it's just so great that God loved the world. You know, I think sometimes we get a, a thought that love is just tiny. But God is great. His love is so great that he, as I've already said, he sent his only begotten son to die for sinners. And, and, and the way it works, and, and and I hope you don't wait till you can figure it all out because you'll never be able to do it. I hope you'll just take the word of God as a fact, and the facts are that you and I are sinners. We're born sinners. We got sin. We got sin in our nature. We got that from Adam, and everybody that's born has sin in your nature. We go back to Ephesians chapter two by nature, we're children of wrath. It's not because God said, I don't like you, or I don't like you. It's not that. It's because we're sinners. That's our nature. See? But Jesus Christ was not a sinner. He lived above all sin. You hear some people in religion say, I live above sin. That's a lie. Nobody lives above sin. But Jesus did. See, one man said, well, he could have sinned. No, he couldn't have sinned. He was so much man, he could be tempted on all points, like as we. But he's so much God, he couldn't sin. And he resisted that sin upon the Mount of of, uh where the mount took him up on the mouth that satan uh had him up there and tempted him but he didn't sin see so he is a victor over sin he conquered sin he conquered hell he conquered the grave he come out of the grave he had the keys he had the keys of hell and of death revelation said he did He's now got the keys of hell and of death. See? All right, our lesson today, I I want to, uh, chapter 14 of John, I think I got down about verse 24 last week, so let me start at verse 22. Maybe I hope to get our minds where I'd like to have it. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot. In other words, Jude, this is the man that wrote, the book of Jude this was the apostle Jude okay wasn't his carrot his carrot had already left alright Lord how is it thou will manifest thyself to us and not unto the world now Jesus had told them I'm going away and I will not leave you comfortless he had already told them that and uh, where I go you can't come now All right? He went ahead here and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. How does the Lord do that? How do they make their abode with us human beings? They do it through the Holy Ghost. See, God is not here in body. But God is here in spirit. And that's all you're going to say until you see the Lord coming in glory. We live, we live in the spiritual dispensation. And, and let me stop just a minute and do a little explaining on that. Under the old covenant, it was administered somewhat by angels in other words angel came to Abraham and three men came to Abraham and as brother Chris alluded to uh the, the Lord said shall I tell you shall I we tell Abraham what our mission is seeing that he will command his children to be right I'm paraphrasing that that's what the Lord said so he that means he likes for me and you to have our children to uh, to honor God best we can, see, and so he told Abraham, and Abraham had the discussion with God, and then these two angels went down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and you know the story. And uh, one one guy said, one preacher said God didn't send any preachers down there to preach to them. He sent two angels down there to burn the place up, and and that's a that's a figure of what God is going to do with this world. That proves that God is willing and able to do it. He burned up Sodom and Gomorrah. My wife went over there and visited, and she said in the southern part of the Dead Sea, you can still see black, black all over the ground. It's just black everywhere. Of course, the news media is not going to tell you that's the ashes from Sodom and Gomorrah, but I will. See, the the witness is still there. So he sent these angels. But now there are angels today, today and they guard us. But they're invisible. But the main power of God in the world this morning is the Holy Ghost. And I want to read about him this morning. I want to read about him a little more here. All right? Verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you that being yet present with you. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now Jesus was a was addressing the apostles. And and, and if we read the the book of Acts, we see That is what God did. And I say this uh, uh, pretty often. Let me say it again. When Jesus left in Acts chapter 1, he left the apostles in charge doctrinally of the New Testament church. They had a a New Testament, no New Testament. They had a New Testament church, no New Testament. How's that going to be governed I mean, they did not have the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. They did not have them. So you got a brand new church here from a standpoint of doctrinally speaking. How is God going to control that? Through the apostles. How is the apostles going to get the message of God? Through the Holy Ghost. See? So the Holy Ghost had to gave these apostles, and I think I said to you recently, let me say it again. Uh, the book of Acts proves that the apostles had the authority and the responsibility to correct church doctrine. In chapter 11, after Peter had gone to the Gentiles, the church called him up on the carpet. Yeah, that, that's Oklahoma terms. That's not in the Bible. That's Oklahoma terms. So, what do you mean going to them Gentiles? And he related the story, you know, down at Cornelius' house. And, the, and then the man, man said, well, then, has God now turned to the Gentiles? And they accepted it. Again, I think it's uh, uh, chapter 15, when the man came down preaching uh, uh, to Antioch, preaching that you must be circumcised to be saved. After much disputation, uh, Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem to the apostles about this affair. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? Because the church understood. Peter, James, John, and the other, the other nine had the authority to settle doctrinal questions. I got news for you. We still do. We still do. Who wrote the New Testament? See, all but two of the authors, as far as I know, were were apostles of Jesus Christ. Six of them. Six of them wrote the New Testament. Uh, Mark and Luke were closely related to apostles. And they were not apostles, but they were closely related. And if you read the book of Acts, you find out that Mark and Luke went on on journeys with them. And so the the apostles had the authority to doctrinally set the standards for the New Testament church. And the the Holy Ghost, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He went ahead in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now we've already went into the, 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 the dissertation about Jesus saying I'm going to go away. And they were sad. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. See, I will send you a comforter. And we'll get into that a little better next chapter if the Lord permits. All right? You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go to my Father for my Father is greater than I. See? And now I've told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandment even so do I. Arise and let us go hence. So I want to again this morning just uh, reiterate a little bit about the office of the Holy Ghost. Now, the office of the Holy Ghost is uh, given with the new covenant. And could I read for you again uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you that were sometimes alienated enemies, this is Paul writing, of course, in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You like that verse? I like that verse. He reconciled us sinners unto him. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. That means making peace between two warring factions. And when you get really born again saved, The Holy Ghost will give you peace toward toward God. Give you peace toward God. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in God's sight. Isn't that good? You're unblameable. You say, well, how come we unblameable? I, I, I used to be a sinner. I know it. But Jesus took your place. And he made peace between you and God. You say, I still have bad thoughts. I still have bad thoughts too. But I'm still at peace with God. See, he reconciled me to God. That good? If you continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the gospel, the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature that's under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the affairs of Christ, afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. All right? Whereof I was made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. What was the mystery that was hid? You go ahead and tell us. In whom the God of this in whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See? Now that was hid from the ages to the Old Testament saints. They did not have indwelling. You say, Well, Mr. Pollard, did they have did they have the Holy Ghost? Yeah. He was present. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Look at verse 10. Now this is when Samuel had come down to anoint David uh, at, uh, at a young age. All of you know that. Verse 10. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not set down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I hope you'll underline that word upon. He did not come into. He came upon, all right? So the Holy Ghost was here, but he did not indwell them. That's a mystery hid until the new covenant came in. We're, we're very blessed. We are very blessed to be here under the new covenant. Is that good? Man, the things that God has reserved for them that love him. See? It's, 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 it's outstanding. All right? Let's look at uh, let's look at Ezekiel chapter eleven. Still in the Old Testament, of course. Ezekiel chapter eleven. Ezekiel chapter eleven. Let's look at verse one. The The Bible says, "Moreover, the the spirit lifted." That's a little less. The spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate of the Lord's house, which looketh eastward. And behold, the door of the gate five and five and twenty men. Did I read that right? Let me read that again. Moreover, the spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate. The Lord's house, which looketh eastward, and behold, at the door of the gate, five and twenty men, among whom I saw Jezanai, the son of Azor, and and Pelotai, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these are the men that devise, devise mischief and give wicked counsel in this city, which say, It is not near. Let us build houses. The city is the cauldron and we be the flesh. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord. Thus have you said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. Again, here is one of the major, what we call the major prophets. And the Spirit capital S fell upon him again not in him alright so so I, I want us to be clear on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit now we have uh, of course we have people today in religion and they claim the Holy Ghost is on them they play loud music and their women chant and carry on, and I I want to say to you, this is not the Holy Spirit. One man said, "They got a spirit, don't they?" I said, "Sure, they do, but it's not the Holy Spirit." So I want you to be clear on that. All right. We also find if we back up to chapter to verse sixteen and seventeen, where the Lord said, and I I give this to you by way of reminder. Verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter which that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Forever. I think as I passed through this and taught it last Sunday, that that is a sign of salvation. Once you get it, you can't never lose it. the Spirit abides with you forever. You say, well, if I'm a Christian and I do wrong, uh, what happens? He makes you feel bad. The governor don't make you feel bad. The Holy Ghost makes you feel bad. All right? Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Did you get that? Now, the world can't receive it. That means Joyce Meyer and all that bunch. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They got evil spirits. See? They cannot receive because it it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, shall hear it. Jesus at this moment was teaching these apostles later on you will receive it and i believe we i believe we went to acts chapter 1 last sunday and chapter 2 and showed you where the lord did rain down or send down the holy ghost upon the apostles and it did make them it did make them do some unnatural things such that some of the Jews said, "Are these men drunk?" Right. Peter rose up and said, "What's well, just nine o'clock in the morning? Even even people that drank a lot is not drunk by nine o'clock." Then he then he related to what God said was he was going to shed this, and uh, I believe he referenced the book of Amos and said, "This is what God is going to shed forth," and 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 the Lord came upon the church in a mighty way so much that the congregation there, all that was lost, were pricked in their hearts about sin. As far as I know, that's the first time men had ever been pricked in their heart by the Holy Ghost for sin. As far as I know. And they were pricked in their hearts so bad until they come to Peter after he preached the great message. And what was his message? You are guilty. You took the Lord of glory when Pilate would have let him go. And you crucified him. So you're murderers. Did you know mine and your sin kill Christ? That's right. Isaiah 53. God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. See, and Jesus went to Calvary and he came out of the grave without sin. He went to a far place. A fit man took sin to a far place which was represented by his grave. And when he come out that Sunday morning, he didn't have sin. Right. And, and, and and he put away mine and your sins where God can't see them. Ain't that good? Ain't that good? God can't, God don't look upon our sins for condemnation of our soul. Amen. Now God'll give you some condemnation uh, of your spirit if you're walking wrong, but He don't condemn your soul. Not if you're saved. But I just read to you, "I will give you the Comforter, and He shall be with you forever." So. When Mr. Pollard, why don't I shout all the time? Well, you still got the principle of sin in your flesh. That's why we have revivals. And I appreciate Brother Bell selecting our our evangelist this time. I thought he did a good job. And we got acquainted with them. And he addressed it. He addressed the church about the first three nights. And I, and I needed it. Amen. I needed it. Then he addressed sinners. He preached about the rich man and Lazarus, which is always preachable. It's always available for knowledge to people. And that rich man, you know, he fared substancely every day. That means he didn't have need of anything fleshly but he had need of something spiritually. See, if you're lost this morning, you got need of something spiritually, and God will give it to you. But you got to want it. You got to want it. You can't just say, well, I'll keep going like I am. Maybe some way I'll get it. No. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. So, my time is out, I know this has been kind of scattering, I hope and pray that it's been a blessing to you, so again, good to have you here this morning, if you're lost, we present the gospel today, not my, and I have no power to save you, Brother Bell has no power to save you, but we talk about a man that does, and I hope you'll trust him this morning. Thank you for listening to me.